Thanks for tuning into the Flip King Real Estate Radio. Whether you're a beginner or seasoned real estate vet, we are looking to help you grow your business and better your life with real world deal examples, tools and tricks for your daily business, and good old fashioned motivation to get you in the game. We're here to see your real estate business grow to fit your lifestyle, whether for straight cash or cash flow. Grab a pen and notebook and get ready to grow. It's the Flip King Real Estate Radio Show. Now, here's your host, Joe Evangelisti. What's up, everybody? Good morning, Joe from the Flip King Real Estate Radio, checking in with you. Podcast number, I don't know, but I know we've done quite a few now. Hope you guys are getting amazing information and advice from this podcast. I always say, uh, you know, you got to be careful with free advice, but we're really trying to give you the best advice we can and do it so that it motivates you to go out there and take action and level up and get to a point where, who knows, one day you're in one of our masterminds or our hot seat events and you're sitting across the table from me and you can say, you know what, Joe, I did 20 deals last year. The year before that, I did five. And those extra 15 were because of listening to your podcast and putting your methods to use and increasing activity and increasing volume in our business. That's my hope for you. That's why I do this. That's why I enjoy talking about real estate all the time because I love to see successful people become more successful. I love to help entrepreneurs who have the hustle to keep that hustle up, to increase the hustle, to get to the next level. So anyway... It's 8 o'clock. It's 8.30, actually. It's a brisk morning in South Jersey, New Jersey, Dirty Jersey, 36 degrees, crisp, clear, beautiful morning. I just did a Periscope talking about how, you know, the, the life of, of a, a true entrepreneur, of a true real estate investor is different every day. You know, I mean, a lot of people think that once you get successful, you know, life is just easy. It's on autopilot. Oh, yeah, once you design the system, you don't have to do anything, which is really true. I mean, the fact is, once you've gotten a good system into play, you can lay back and not work. But here's the thing. Really, really good entrepreneurs, they have that bug. The people who are really, really successful, that bug just keeps just keeps biting away at them, right? So, true story, last night, Sunday night, I'm laying in bed, just got done reading some, uh, some of uh, Good to Great, one of those books on the side of my bed, I think it was Good to Great. I'm laying there and I'm thinking to myself, all right, what's, what's in store for tomorrow? What's in store for this week? What do I want to have my team accomplish? What's my number one, you know, thing that I need to get off my plate in order to feel good about myself this week? And one of those things that just been bothering me for the last couple of weeks, I kind of been putting it aside and putting it aside was that we have a few new construction deals that we're looking to refinance and we're looking and we have a couple rental properties we're looking to refinance. You know, not for lack of, uh, you know, good cash flow and all those kind of good things. I wanted to get it off my plate. You know, it wasn't a big deal. The company's still going to survive if I don't get these, uh, refinances done. But the truth of the matter is, if I do get the refinances done, cash flow will be a little bit better. We'll have a lot more money we can work with to buy more deals. You know, all that kind of good stuff. Kind of things you don't think about until it's like too late. You know, it's like, oh man, I really had to, I should have done that three weeks ago. So anyway, I'm lying in my bed and, you know, on my Friday to do list was to, get my, my financials together so I could give it to my bank. Uh, I got a new bank, uh, a couple, uh, you know, we, we deal with primary, primarily local community banks, uh, as a lot of you know, if you listen to the show. And uh, one of my bankers just moved over to another bank. So I gave him the opportunity to do some deals with us because we've been working with him personally for a couple years at his other bank. For those of you that know, when, when a banker changes to a different bank, he's not allowed to keep your records and your financials and all that. So I said, um, I said, Rob, what is it going to take? 
you know, to get these refinances done. And of course he says, you know, send me all your financials. I need your tax returns. I need your financial statement. I need to know all the, the holdings that you guys currently have and all these projects you're working on, all that kind of stuff. That's a financial package, right? Tax returns. I think I said that. So anyway, Rob hit me up like three weeks ago and said, send me this information. It's been on my calendar. It's been on my to-do list for the last couple of weeks. Get Rob financials. Get Rob financials. But you know what? I'm sitting in bed last night. I'm thinking to myself, I need to get that off my plate for a couple reasons. One, I just want to stop looking at it on my to-do list. Two, I want to get things moving on the refinances. And three, it's going to help the team. It's going to help the guys have more money to go work and find more deals. It's going to help cash flow, right? So, you know, 10 o'clock-ish last night, I decide, you know what? I'm going to get this done. And this is how real hustlers think. This is how real entrepreneurs think. We don't sit around when we know we have something to do. You know, even if that means not sleeping at night. And, you know, I preach to you guys all the time about waking up bright and early. I'm trying to get up between 5.30 and quarter to 6 on a, on a regular basis. But sometimes there's more important things. And sometimes when you have to get things off your plate, you'll pull an all-nighter and you get, you'll knock it out. So I was up till about 4 o'clock in the morning last night. I got together all the records. I got together all the closings. Turned out it's been like three or four months since I updated all this stuff. So, you know, we've done probably 15, 25, something like that deals in that time frame. So I had to delete some of the properties that we sold. I had to add some of the properties we bought. I had to change some of the properties from you know, rehab to rental, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it takes time to do all these things. And that's what I did for a good three or four hours last night. I knocked out a personal financial statement. Now, did that affect my morning routine? Did I get up at 530? Hell no. I got up at 7. So I slept from about 4 o'clock till about 7 a.m. And I'm talking to you right now at 8.30. I woke up at 7. I got my girls ready for school. I got ready myself, and I was out the door. I'm on the way to one of my projects. It's supposed to close next week, and uh, we're in the final stages. I wanted to do a double check on that just to make sure that uh, the product is really good and that it's the way I want it. And here it is, Monday morning, 8.30. So there's a quick story for you. Now, what, what's the lesson learned about that? Well, the lesson is that it's not all fun and games. It's not all... You know, um, it's not all happy, joy, joy. You know, not everything about being a successful uh, real estate investor is fun, is easy, is automatic. Sometimes you got to put in the work. And sometimes you're putting in the work at midnight on a Sunday. You know, you could be out partying with your friends. You could be out popping bottles. You could be out going to, going to, to different uh, restaurant venues and having great dinners. Now, don't get me wrong. We do that too. But when the time comes, you got to put in the work. You got to put in the work. So... Anyway, that was a quick lesson. I want to talk to you today primarily about doing deals, about putting in offers. That's going to be the theme of this week. By the time you hear this podcast, you're probably going to see, you know, some uh, some blogs come out about uh, that we that me and my team wrote about putting in offers, how to put in offers, uh, flow charts on how to put in offers, all that kind of good stuff. But I want to talk in general about how your team is situated for putting in offers. Um, one of the things that that really hindered the performance that we had as a team, you know, back four or five years ago when we were doing maybe 10 deals a year and then we got to 12 or 15 deals a year. The big difference between 12 and 15 deals a year and 60 to 75 deals a year is what I've found is volume. You know, you have to do everything in volume. You know, when you first start out, you buy a deal, you put in a couple offers a week, you buy another deal, then you have two deals, then you slow down because, you know, you can only handle so many deals and you only have so much financing. So, you know, you wait until one of those deals is under contract and then you go look for some more deals. And that's really like the real estate roller coaster that I talked about in, in podcast, I don't know, seven or eight. Um, you know, it's that, it's that constant. I have inventory. I have no inventory. Then I have inventory and then, oh crap, I have no inventory. Let me go out and hustle and find some inventory, right? Um, 
that constant real estate roller coaster is broken up when you start to, to incorporate volume. And I mean volume offers, volume purchases, volume sales, you know, building a team that does volume. And that really starts with volume offers. I think one of the biggest challenges that young entrepreneurs face in this business is they don't put in enough offers. And I'm, so I'm talking about hard on paper written offers to purchase, right? And if you really boil down your business, this might hit home for a lot of people, but if you really boil down your business, if you're doing 10 or 12 transactions a year, you're probably writing less than one or two offers a week. I know it feels like you're writing a lot of offers because a week goes by really fast, right? But if you really, really boil down your business in the last seven days, how many times have you physically printed out a contract or print, printed out a proposal and filled in the blanks and said, I am making you, Mr. Seller, an offer on your property? How many times have you done that? And be, and be, be real with yourself. Now I can tell you at our level, we do between 20 and 40 a week. And those are real numbers. And I know that because we finally track them. It took, it took me years to figure out how to track them. We put in 20 to 40 offers a week, sometimes 60 or 80 offers, depending on what type of offers. Now we do, we do offers on HUD. We do offers on, uh, motivated sellers private. We do offers on REO. We do offers on listed properties on the MLS. We do offers on a whole culmination of different sources, right? We do our direct mail stuff. We do online stuff. We buy leads. So there's a million ways that these leads come in. And at the end of the week, my team is physically writing over 20 offers. That's our minimum. We have to put in 20 offers a week. Now, this didn't happen a couple years ago. We didn't have a system for this a couple years ago. In fact, I didn't have a team of guys whose job it was to put in offers a couple years ago. So it takes time to grow to that level. But I can tell you one of the key differences between a, pro- a property um, rehab company that does 10 to 12 a year and one that does 60 to 80 a year is the volume of which you're putting in offers and the volume of which deals are readily available to you so that you can cherry pick and decide which ones you want. So what's your offer look like? I'm going to get back to basics real quick for the for the few of you who are listening who maybe haven't done a lot of deals. And I'm going to talk to you about the offer strategy process. Now, this is going to be available via download on one of our flow charts. I think you're going to be able to get it on the blog this week. So pay attention for it. If not, Make sure you're on the email list because it might be getting sent out via the email list. I'm not sure how my team wants to do it, but you got to go to theflipking.com. On the upper right-hand corner, it'll say subscribe. Just drop in your name and your email address. It's that easy. Now you're a subscriber to the list, and you'll be getting all these free goodies that we send out every week along with these podcasts. That's You're guaranteed to get it that way. You may get it just from the blog. I'm not sure. But anyway, let me get back. I digress. So what does your offer strategy look like? What is... Your maximum allowable offer, your MAO, right? Well, it's pretty simple. First of all, you're going to have a multiplier, and then you're going to have a deduction for your repairs, and then you're going to have a deduction for what you want to make if you're a wholesaler. So let's start at the top. Let's use some simple numbers. Let's just say you have a property that's worth $200,000. That's your ARV, okay? How do we come up with our ARV? We get at least three sold comps that are local, that are close to the property, that are the same size, the same amount of bedrooms, hopefully the same amount of bathrooms, things that are comparable to what it is that you're going to do to this property and what it's going to look like when you're done, your after repair value. Now, you can use a realtor for this if you're not too, if you're not too seasoned. You can also go on Zillow, and I'm not saying use the Z estimate right off the bat, but if you go to Zillow, they'll actually give you sold comps at the bottom now. So you can go down to the base, you can put in your address of the property you're looking at, you can see the sold comps at the bottom. That's at least going to get you started. I'm not saying it's the only part of the equation, 
but it's enough to get you started. So pull some comps, look at the three recent solds, average the square footage in certain areas. Everything I'm about to tell you is, is, is locality specific, okay? This is not going to work in Phoenix the same way it works in Philly, the same way it works in Fort Lauderdale, the same way it works in LA, okay? So you got to know your numbers. You want to talk to some local brokers. Maybe you want to get do a couple ARVs yourself, a couple after repair values, run some comp reports yourself, and then maybe call up a couple brokers and say, hey, I was just hoping you could help me out with something. I want to do business. I'm a real estate investor. I'm getting into the business. I really want to hone in on my ARVs. Would you spend five minutes with me and just, just tell me if you think these numbers sound legit, okay? I'm telling you, any broker worth their salt is going to spend five minutes with, an eight, with, a, with a new realtor or a new investor. And try to help them out and make sure the numbers are correct, okay? So get your ARV down. So let's say your ARV in this case is $200,000. Then then comes our multiplier. My team uses anywhere between 0.65 and 0.7. Now, the reason we come up with that multiplier is because that builds in our holding costs, our profit, the spread we want to make on the deal, other people that are involved in the deal. The uh, I said holding costs, I meant taxes, you know, taxes, insurance, interest to your investor, all those things. That's where that spread comes in. So if I have a $200,000 deal and I use a 0.7 multiplier, then I'm going to come up with $140,000. Okay. That's $60,000 in between those two numbers is my profit, my holding costs, my interest to my investor. Now, this is a, a swag number. This is a suggested wild ass guess. Okay. But nine times out of 10, it is accurate. And we use 0.7 generally across the board. Sometimes if the deal is a little bit meatier, we'll go to 0.6. Um, you know, if we know we can get a better deal or it's maybe in an area that we're not in love with, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a bigger spread. But for the most part, we're using 0.7. And you're going to, again, you'll see a flow chart downloadable. You'll be able to follow this along. So let's say it's 200 ARV times 0.7. We're down to 140. The next thing we do is we deduct our repair costs. Now, to keep the numbers even, let's just say that the repair costs on this property are $40,000. Now, there's a whole module in our training video, levelupprealestatetraining.com. There's an entire module on how to walk a rehab and how to come up with a, with a, with a budget. But I'm going to tell you, long story short, if you're new to the business, you got to get some ideas again from different people on your team, like your general contractor. So if you walk a property and you think that the thing could cost 30 grand, make sure you talk to them. If you think it's 40, make sure you run the numbers by them. Always be conservative on these numbers, especially when you're starting out. Because you're always going to be short. What happens is a lot of wholesalers bring us deals and they go, oh yeah, it takes 15000 to renovate this thing. Well, I'm here to tell you, I've done hundreds of rehabs and I have never spent $15,000 doing a rehab. I can't carpet and paint a house for $15,000. So if they're telling you it's fifteen grand, it better be damn near new construction and it better need nothing. But in my neck of the woods, 50, 60, 80 year old homes, we've never spent $15,000. Generally, we spend thirty to forty-five, fifty thousand dollars, right? Sometimes we spend eighty to a hundred. Depends on the area. Depends on the size of the property. Depends on how much work it needs. But for sake of this purpose of this uh, this discussion, I wanted you to make sure that you take a number that you think is a good number and you walk a contractor through there, or you know your numbers. I'm going to assume for this case that you know your numbers, right? So in this scenario, it's forty thousand dollars in rehab. So we started at two hundred times 0.7, 140000 now we're going to subtract the $40,000 rehab. So if you're following along, we're down to $100,000 even. Now for my wholesalers that are listening to this, who don't have the resources to rehab or haven't gotten into the business yet or whatever your excuse may be, I don't care. 
If you want to just be a wholesaler, and that's fine, just being a wholesaler too. I'm not knocking the people who are wholesalers. But the people who are wholesalers, at this point, you want to subtract what you want to make or what you make. We call it uh, WYM, what you make. Uh, in this scenario, let's say you want to make $10,000 because you're wholesaling a property, right? So we take the 100, we subtract $10,000, we're down to 90. $90,000 becomes your maximum allowable offer, your MAO. Now, this is not where I suggest you start on your offer. Sometimes it might be if you want to just throw a Hail Mary and hope it sticks because maybe you know there's some competition or maybe it's a really hot property and you're, you're, you know it's an easy flip. Whatever the case may be, your maximum allowable offer for a wholesaler is going to be about $90,000 in this scenario. For a rehabber, it could be a hundred grand because you're not trying to, you're not trying to make that spread. You're not trying to make a wholesale fee. So you can pay up to a hundred grand. Bottom line is you're either going to have a wholesaler, what you make subtraction or you're not. But this maximum allowable offer on this particular deal is either going to be $90,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, depending on what business you're in. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a quick and easy and down and dirty offer strategy. That's exactly how we make all of our offers. Whether we're making 20 or 50 or 75 a week, they're almost all exactly the way I just told you. There's some variables here and there, but very few. I don't want you to get hung up on the variables. I want you to make offers. So listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you just heard that exact strategy, take any deal that you're looking at right now and do those numbers. If you're a new rehabber, do the numbers. If you're a new wholesaler, do the numbers. If you're an experienced wholesaler, do the numbers. See what they come out as. You might find yourself really, really surprised that you're making offers that are way higher than they should be. Now, again, I want to have a little disclaimer here. That multiplier is different for every area. Sometimes you can just call around different wholesalers and call around different investors in the area and say, what's your multiplier? Most of them are going to know what you're talking about. The really good ones are going to know exactly what you're talking about. Now, I've heard crazy stories in California where that multiplier is sometimes 75, 85% because the market's really, really tight and people are overpaying because they're trying. it's a very competitive market. I don't know anything about that. It might be possible. Make sure you know your multiplier. I know what my multiplier is in my area. It might be different in different areas. You know, in Chicago, you might be able to use 0.5. I have no idea. So know your multiplier. But the long and short of it is those are the pieces that go into your offer. Those are the pieces that are going to get deals done. So take that scenario, take that equation, start plugging your deals in right away, and then make offers. Step two, make offers. If step one is figure out how to make an offer, step two is to make sure you make an offer. So set yourself a goal right now. Here's the thing about offers. At least in New Jersey, I know it's different in every state. But in New Jersey, I can make as many offers as I want across the board. HUD, MLS, REO, you heard this scenario. I make a lot of offers every week because I want more yeses than I can handle. So if 10 people a week say, yes, I want to sell you my house, I want to cherry pick the five or six that I really want to buy. I'm going to say that one more time. If I make 50 offers and 10 say yes, I want to cherry pick the five or six that I really want to buy. Now, is that a little bit different than what you've heard before? Is that a little bit different about what people are doing volume-wise in your, in your neck of the woods? Because I think a lot of people are making two or three or four offers max, and they're hoping that one or two say yes, and then once they say yes, they take them and run. Well, guess what? Not every yes is a slam dunk deal, but I can guarantee you one thing. When you get 10 yeses and you get to cherry pick the ones you want, you get the best deals that are in the bunch because those are the best deals for you. You've made all that work. You've done all that effort. You've made all those offers. 
you deserve to cherry pick the very best. You don't deserve to just get the scraps that say yes because you didn't put enough offers in. So do offers in volume. I don't know what that means for your office, but I would say whatever it is, double it. It's easy to double it. If you're doing two or three offers a week, there's no problem. You can do five or six. If you're on your own and you're the only person that works for your company, you can do five, six, ten offers a week. Easy. Easy. Okay? Now, if you want to get to the point where you have a point where you have a team and you're doing volume and you're putting in lots of offers, then I can say you can easily get to 20. Because I know it doesn't take my team a lot to put 20 offers in. It takes them a lot when they're doing 75 offers. That's, that's a big week. But if they can average 20 offers a week, I know we'll continue to consistently do 50 to 60 to 70 deals a year plus. And if I want to ramp that up, and I have the I have the capacity to ramp that up, and I want to ramp that up, I know it's as simple as putting in more offers. Put out more marketing to bring in more leads to put in more offers. That's the secret to getting yourself to the next level. So I hope you guys found this podcast successful. Make sure you check out the blog, theflipking.com. Make sure you check out leveluprealestatetraining.com. If any of this stuff sounds really good to you and you think you can take advantage of it and put it to, to work in your business, I want to see you be successful. I want to see you sitting across the table from me at the next hot seat. I want to see you talking to me about how your business got to the next level because you listened to this podcast and our trainings. That's what we do it for. So until next time, guys, keep hustling. Appreciate you listening. Talk soon. Talk soon.